Hey, I'm excited. Wow. And I'm loud. No, here's why. I got three and a half hours before any of your clocks say 12. <laughs> I know some of you are freaking out because you're like, what time are we supposed to walk out in the middle of his message? <laughs> I want to make my disturbance as loud as possible so they know I've had enough. I've got important things to do. Tonight you don't. You really don't. So three and a half hours. In the beginning, God created the heaven. Bethany, it's too early, honey. I haven't even started my introduction. Sit down. We'll wait. ask all of you to just kind of move to the front and the middle. <laughs> you can sit on the floor if you want. I don't care. This is hippie church. Well, praise God. Who loves a fresh start? Wow, good couple of you. Who loves a real fresh start? Heck, that's what the blood of Jesus did for you. Everyone loves a fresh start, really. You know, we love to turn over a new leaf and start a new chapter. Out with the old, in with the new. You know, we start at square one. Love to clean the slate. I mean, who doesn't love hitting the reset button when nothing's going right? I do. You know, there's really just, there's something about new beginnings that gives us hope and, and really just kind of imparts courage to us to be able to keep moving forward, amen? And you know, I think there's probably no bigger reset button than the start of a new year. I mean, we just, it's just profound, <laughs> you know, it's the start of a new year, it's a new number. It's just a calendar, you know, and I know that a lot of you may be making New Year's resolutions, and that's cool, but today, tonight, I want to talk about having a vision for your life in 2014. You know, a piece of wisdom that I had picked up years ago was this, aim at nothing, and you will hit it every single time. Aim at nothing, and you will hit it every time. And I'd like to kind of remind us briefly about the message I had shared, I don't know when it was, last year maybe, about hitting the target. Remember that? I had the two targets up here. You know, one was the target of sinful behaviors and thoughts and attitudes, and the other was the target of righteousness, you know, righteous thoughts, righteous behaviors. And I shared in that message 
that when we focus mostly on the sin target by only trying to avoid sin, being sin conscious, this is what I don't want to do, right? When we focus on that, we, we don't end up doing what we want to do. We don't accomplish what we want to accomplish by just avoiding the wrong. And so we end up frustrated and, and we still in, have this sense of a lack of accomplishment. Because all we're doing is I'm just not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sin like that. I'm not going to do that anymore. But, but when we focused on that target of righteousness, you know, the target of holy thoughts and holy attitudes and holy behaviors, then we really start to move the ball down the field. Remember that? Well, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, everybody read that? You should. Changed my life. It would change yours. But Dr. Stephen Covey, he shares habit number two. And habit number two is this. Begin with the end in mind. Now, begin with the end in mind is based on a principle that all things are created twice. There's a mental or first creation, and then there is a physical or second creation. Everything. For instance, uh, building a home, right? You uh, create in every detail before you ever hammer the first nail. You try to get a really clear sense of what it is I want my house to look like, right? What kind of house do I want? Do I, do I want something super modern, old and rustic? Do I want it to be family-centered? You know, if I want it to be family-centered, then I need to, to I got a plan to put the family room kind of where a natural gathering place will be. You plan sliding doors and a patio for your children to play outside, and you work with all the ideas. And you work with it in your mind until you have a clear image of what it is exactly you want to build. Then you take that idea and you reduce it to blueprint. You develop construction plans. All of this is done before the earth is ever touched. If not, then... When you begin the second creation, the physical creation, you're going to have to make a lot of expensive changes. May end up doubling the cost of your home. Right? The carpenter's rule is what? Measure twice, cut once. So you have to make sure that the blueprint, which is your, your first creation, you have to make sure it really is what you want it to be. That you've really thought through all of it. Then you begin to work with the bricks and the mortar. And each day you go to the construction shed and you pull out the blueprint, right? To figure out what it is I'm going to do today. 
Well, let's see. Oh, we're ready for the Raptors. You begin with the end in mind. Now, another example would be business. If you want to have a successful enterprise, you have to clearly define what you're trying to accomplish. You have to carefully think through the product or the service that you want to provide in the terms of your market target. And after you do that, then you begin to organize all of the elements. You know, you, get, you think about the, the financial things, research and development, operations, marketing, personnel. You know, where am I even going to have my physical facility? You do all of that to meet the objective. And to the extent that you truly begin with the end in mind, it determines whether or not you're able to actually create a successful business. You know, most businesses fail in the first creation, in the idea process, the, the, the time where you're thinking it all up and you're putting it all together before you actually open shop. That's where most businesses fail. They have problems like undercapitalization or they don't understand their market or they just have no business plan at all. And you know the same is true with parenting. If you if you want to raise responsible self-disciplined children, you have to keep that end in mind. You have to keep that goal before you as you interact with your children. You see, you, you can't behave toward them in, in ways that begin to undermine how you want them to be self-disciplined, self-controlled, to have self-esteem. And every one of us, in some degree or another, we use this principle in our life. Somehow, you know, before I go on a trip, I plan where I'm going. choose the roads, we put out the path, we know where we're going to hit pit stops. I've got a plan. Before I ever get in the van with all them kids, <laughs> I know what we're doing. You know, before you put a garden together, you plan it all out in your mind. Maybe even draw it out on paper. You know, some of you have landscaping. You've had my wife come, you know. She doesn't just come show up and start throwing plants in the ground, does she? I sit here in my, well, just watch her sit in my living room and drawing circles and weird things on a piece of paper. Ever before you go out and buy the first plant. People design clothes. They put it all on paper before they ever thread the needle. So to the extent that we understand this principle, that everything is created twice and that we accept the responsibility for both creations, 
we will then see the borders of our lives begin to enlarge to the degree that you accept the responsibility for this. Now, to the degree that you become a victim, your borders will continually shrink around you. Well, I had a good idea. Was it? Did you plan it well? No, I just did it. When we don't accept that responsibility, our lives diminish in effectiveness and purpose. So what's your personal vision for 2014? If you cannot see it in your mind and you can't put it down on paper, you probably won't achieve it. Proverbs 29, 18 is one of our famously quoted verses that we all love. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, this is kind of the famous way in which we hear this verse, but it's not really the best um, translation. I like the ESV version, the English Standard Version. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. So, in other words, when, when we don't have a God-ordained vision that we are living for, we start to live sloppy and unholy ways. We get lazy. You see, we, we stop doing the important things and we give ourselves to comfortable things. Someone say amen to that. We stop doing the important things and we give ourselves to comfortable things. When, when there is no direction <laughs> for my life, where I'm going, we behave as if what I do with my time doesn't matter. When I forget the word of the Lord to me, I lose my sense of purpose. I live with no restraint. I lose my ability to tell wrong things no and right things yes. You see, a, a God-ordained vision gives people the power to restrain their options. You see, a biblical vision for our lives is foresight with insight that comes from God's sight. Supercalifragilistic, ipsy wildadocious. A biblical vision for my life is foresight with insight that comes from his sight. Foresight, the ability to see down the road. 
with insight, meaning I've got information. And I know how this is going down. It comes from the heart of Abba. That's a biblical vision. Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Vision gives your pain a purpose. (laughs) Ask any Olympic athlete what got him up at three every day of their life for four years. I'm going to get a gold medal. I'm going to win. Did you hurt with three? Yeah. (laughs) Was it fun eating grass and rocks all day long? No. Was it fun not having any social life whatsoever? Living at the gym? No. I missed out on a lot of parties, a lot of fun, a lot of movies. That was painful, wasn't it? Yeah. Why? Because I had a purpose. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. And I see this at work in my own life. You know, back in 1996, I had a band, Messiah's Bride. We were playing out just about every weekend. And towards really the end of 96, we were playing multiple places in one weekend. And my number one goal, my vision for Messiah's Bride was to win every lost teenager in the world. That was my goal. That was why the band existed. And you know what? That's exactly what we set out to do. Every gig, I gave an altar call. Every gig. Everywhere we went. And every time I gave an altar call, someone came to Jesus. Every time. We didn't have one where everybody's saved. Hey, we just had a party. Every time we went out and played and I gave an altar call, someone got saved or they rededicated their life. Souls were being saved, and it was the words from my mouth that God was anointing. I love those days. Because I felt so in alignment with my call and my destiny. I was doing it. I knew what I was supposed to do, and I was doing it. And because of the weightiness that I felt as a soul winner, as an evangelist, as one calling people out of hell, I spent more time in prayer in those days than in any time of my life. I gave myself to reading chapter after chapter and book after book of the Bible. I had the power to say no to sex. I had the power to say no to foul language. I had the power to say no to social drinking. I had the power to say no to pornography. 
because I was pursuing the vision of God for my life. But the band died, and the church started, and I lacked vision. I lacked a God-consuming purpose that made me feel alive. And so I began to be pulled by porn. I didn't read my Bible as much. Didn't have anything passionate to pray about. I was disoriented without a God-ordained vision for my life. But I thank God because he gave me new marching orders. And he gave me a new sense of purpose and direction. And as I pursued God's vision, my heart pressed into him more I was able to make great sacrifices for the kingdom of God. I was compelled to give extravagantly in both my time and my money. Because I was advancing God's cause. So my point is that without a prophetic vision from the Lord, my life lacked discipline and purpose, and I became prey for Satan's traps. Someone say, I've been there. And I still have moments of this battle off and on. Some days I lack direction and purpose. Some days I forget the vision and I'm tempted to do what comes easy and comfortable. I'm tempted to cast off restraint. And I want to say that some of you here today are struggling with sin and compromise because you have no idea important the call of God is in your life. I have no idea. You have no idea how important the mission of God for your life is. You keep taking the easy, comfortable road. Because you have no idea that you are a king or a queen. You have no idea the countless number of lies that are waiting for you to show up. That will forever be changed because you said yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. You know, sometimes good or okay things are the wrong things because they're not the God things. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
verse 12. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Now listen how the message says it. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Come on, church of compromise. Just because something's technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave See, we lack the power to say no to inferior pleasures because we can't see the superior ones. The only way we can say no to easy and comfortable and inferior choices is to have a much bigger yes for something much better. Something superior. You can't just avoid sin. You can't just invo- avoid inferior things. You've got to have something bigger and better in the heart of God that you're going after. Big yeses trump little noes. See, people complain about the do's and don'ts of the Bible because they have no idea about purpose. They don't know what an adventure is waiting for them to just show up to. That superior thing is God's vision for your life. That's the superior pleasure. It's God's plan. You were created to do marvelous things. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. That's how important your plan is. He didn't wait for you one day to say, oh, hey, give me something to do. I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm bored. Oh, wait. Oh, who are you? Who, who is this guy? Tell me, tell me again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to, uh, uh, you're going to be a teacher and teach things in my name. Amen. No. No, you were planned out from the beginning. He's like, in 1972, you're going to be put on this. Here's your plan. So what's your plan? What's the plan of God for your life this year? If you don't have a God-ordained vision for your life, you will surely live in compromise and disappointment. I promise you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. You are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Say, that's part of my plan. Okay, now everybody say, that's part of my plan. Your overall life vision is to declare the praises of Jesus who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're going to accomplish that by living your life on purpose. Say, on purpose. You have to aim at the right target. We have not seen the best part of who we are yet as a church. Do you get that? We haven't seen it. We are not at our potential. We haven't seen what we're capable of as people. We haven't seen the glory of the Lord like we should. We haven't. And I'm sick about it. Are you? Are you sick? Are you tired? Isaiah 43 and verse 18 says that we're supposed to forget the former things and not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in your desert and streams in your wasteland. Is this going to be you this year? Is this going to be who we are as a church? God is doing a new thing. So we should be doing a new thing. New habits, new goals, renewed vision. I mean, seriously, it's time for some of you to blow the dust off your prophetic words again. It's time to re-engage in the plan of God for your life, and it starts with vision. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So seriously, hit the reset button and get back in the fight. Get back in the fight. Hit your reset button and start over. Press on towards your goal. Fight for a prize. Get some teeth. Forgive me, but get some balls. Up. 
I mean, really, do you think Jesus died and rose back to life so we could sit around looking at Facebook all day? Huh? I mean, really, did Jesus die so we could sit around complaining about the economy? That's right, no. I mean, did he, did, he, did he pay all of our sin debts so we could just live a comfortable, easy life? We were the only ones who said no on that one. The blood of Christ demands more than that. The blood of Jesus demands that we sacrifice our lives too. Do you want to know the power of his resurrection? Paul said. There's no glory without suffering. Children believe they can have it all without having to pay any price. We've got to discover and follow the good plans that he has planned for his children. Plans that are supposed to be giving you hope right now. Hope in a future. That's the plan we have. If you've got a plan that's creating depression, sorrow, sadness, defeat, victimization, you don't have his plan. Jesus died to make you a king or a queen. That's what he died for. So start living like that. Start acting like royalty. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Get up. Show off a little bit. Your light has come. Here's to a light of mine. You were all thinking it, so I just had to throw it out there now. I mean, we we are the nation's solution. We're we're the solution to our nation's problems. We're salt, we're light, we're the answer. You are, me, we're the kings and queens that Jesus is the king of. I mean, it's not just the kings of the world, you. King Sean, Queen Charlene, Queen Michelle, King Tom. I'm the king, he's the king of. So are you. We are seated with him in heavenly places. We're already there. We're not trying to get there. He just put you there. He's like, here, sit. Be. You don't like how things are commanded to be different. You don't like how things are going change it be an answer be a solution 
be a king, be a queen, be a conqueror, be an overcomer. Be something my blood is worthy of. Arise and shine. Shine. You know, back at the end of 2006, Lynn had just left our church so that we could go senior pastor at Foursquare here in Newcastle. And, you know, at the same time, Eric and I were, we were a little frustrated with how little we were accomplishing as individuals and as a church. You know, we had so much vision, but so few willing or able-bodied people to fulfill the vision. And so it was at that point that we launched a brand new direction in Vision Club. We called it the Freedom Campaign. Eric and I had realized that so many of our people were overwhelmed with the cares of life. They were struggling to live like a king, like an overcomer, struggling. And so we decided we were going to change all of that. So we, with the Freedom Campaign, we launched things like Financial Peace help get people out of debt. We led Growing Kids God's Way to help parents raise responsible and respectful children. We did love and respect to heal and strengthen marriages that were crumbling. We did the Great Physician's Prescription for Health and Wellness to help address the obesity and health issues that so many people were dealing with. We did emotionally healthy spirituality to address the wounds in our hearts. We knew that as long as people were consumed with health issues, with money issues, marriage problems, undisciplined children, emotional issues, we knew that if people were constantly consumed with those things, they were not going to be able to focus on the plan of God for their life. And every one of those studies equipped us with a vision and a plan for how to live successful, godly lives. So if you do your math, 2014 begins the seventh year since we began that freedom campaign. How are you doing? Are you out of debt? I'm not bragging, but I am. I got a mortgage and not four. How's your marriage? Are you better? I know some of you are yes. How's your health? Are you consumed with doctor visits? Tons of medication? I don't say that to condemn you, but your health plays a factor in your ability to follow the Lord. 
How are your children? Are they a joy for others to be around? Are they still rolling their eyes at you? We're raising up a generation. What you're doing right now is helping us or hurting us. You're raising kids that will either be a part of the solution or they're going to be a part of the problem. How are you doing? Are you living the vision of those studies, those life-changing programs that we've presented here? Or have you settled for comfortable and easy? The number seven means completion. Will this be a year of completion for us as a church? For you and your families? The number eight means a new beginning. Is 2015 going to be the start of something new for us as a church? Or will it be the start of going around the mountain? answer to those questions are found in whether or not we have a vision. My vision. It's not enough that we put it all before you. It's not enough to say this is what we're doing as a church if you as a family aren't walking out a vision that you feel strongly about. Dave Ramsey says we either tell our money where to go or it tells us where it's going to go. You know, the same is true of our time, our days, our weeks, our months. You know, either we're living a life of vision with a target, a goal, reaching for a prize, or we're living easy, comfortable, and unfulfilled, just putting out fires. Anybody like that? Who loves to just put out a financial fire? Are you tired of it? Are you tired of putting out fires? Oh no, my finances are on fire. I've got to do something crazy now to fix it. Who's going to buy my car? Oh no, my marriage is on fire. Hurry, someone put it out. Oh no, my health is on fire. I know that not everything can be avoided. But I am sure that most of it can. I believe that the royalty that is in this room sons and daughters of God that you are. I believe that this year you're going to live on purpose. I believe that you're going to live this year with an end in mind. I believe we are going to have a vision to 
brings us hope. It's going to bridge us from where we are to who we're going to be. We are people who have a vision. We are a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. We are the sons and daughters of God. We know the voice of God. You know it. You know the voice of God. We're going to be obedient to it. I can't do it for you. I'm just stand up here and say funny things and inspiring things, but ultimately you've got to go home and obey God. You have to have a vision. You have to be a person who's going after the prize. Because you're a king. You're a queen. I died so you could live on purpose. So what are you going to aim for in 2014? What's your vision going to be? Why don't you stand? Next week, I'm going to help you guys figure out how to have a plan, what you should be visioneering about. And you know what? It's not going to be really brain surgery, rocket science. You're gonna, you, you already know what you need to have a plan for. I'm just going to say it again. They're blocks, they're foundation blocks that make your life great or very painful. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I hit the reset. However, I failed this year. All the screw-ups, all the let-downs, all the missed opportunities. You promised new mercies. And I needed it. I need mercy, God. We're people who need mercy. So tonight, in your presence, God, we hit the reset. We say do over. I wasn't ready yet. make us ready. You've given us grace to run the race. To have it all. Everything we need for this life has been put inside of us through the Holy Spirit. I'm not deficient. I don't lack. I'm not waiting for something to happen to me. You're already in me. So I hit the reset, God. Forgive me for my failures. 
forgive me for my compromise, for my easy, comfortable choices that I make. Forgive me, God, for living beneath my status as a royal priest, as a king in your kingdom. Forgive me. Break my poverty mentality that keeps me living like a pauper. Renew my mind that I might live a king's life. Not just for entitlement, not so I can have an easy life, but because I can serve well. Because I have, I have territory that I am to conquer as a king. That there are peoples, cities, regions, and nations that I am to conquer in your name. You've called us to make disciples of nations. So break my poverty mentality. Show me how to live like a king. Forgive me for unfaithfulness to the plans I know I should have did. receive forgiveness now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for holy love that strengthens me. That I can mount up like wings of eagles. God, we want to be all that you've created us to be. We want to touch the capacity, God, that you died to give us. So let holy discontent touch us if we need to, God. We've settled for so much less. satisfy us. Only you can. Father, I pray you bless us as we go. Thank you for courage. Thank you for courage and strength, God. You hit the reset button and you're going to start. for any reason but go in Jesus name go with hope and courage forget what is behind and press on to the prize in Jesus name